0: Let's turn in Scripture together to so Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25 today. I am reading out of the pew Bibles that are, if you're on the floor, they are in front of you. And if you're up in the balcony, the pew Bibles are underneath you. Uh, you can follow along with me on page 860. So page 860 or Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25 if you're using a digital bible we are in the csb translation in order in order for us to understand this section properly we are first going to have to get vividly into our minds the illustration of a child going to 11. All right? We've talked about this before, how a child gets upset. You know, maybe they're just getting a little tired, a little hungry, and they turn it up in the upset scale to a three or to a four. Sometimes they're hungry and tired at the same time, and you start to get a six or a seven. And sometimes they're hungry and they're tired, and they're not getting what they want, and they go past 10 all the way up to level 11. And sometimes... Maybe daily. They just shoot straight up to level 11 for no reason at all. Perhaps you are familiar with a child like this. I'm not. (laughs) Never seen it before. Never had a child in my house just fall on the ground all of a sudden and go, I guess you don't want me in this family anymore. (laughs) And... uh, I say, son, all I said was you can't have a Pop-Tart right now. Like, this is not warranted for you to jump all the way up to that. Perhaps you know what this is like. Well, you're going to have to hold that illustration firmly in your mind. Because what I present to you today is the possibility that you and I do this with God, sometimes over very small issues in our lives that the smallest stumbling block might have you suddenly sprawled on the floor, doubting your faith, doubting your salvation, doubting if God is good. And somebody else next to you might simply say, is that all it took to go to that level? Surely there will be difficulties and challenges in life, but it doesn't warrant that response, does it? While we all know what it looks like for a child to do this, I suggest that perhaps there are times in our lives when we get ourselves so worked up so quickly, and if God was to speak to us, he would simply say, is that all it took? Oh, you of little faith. Today, we are talking about worry and we are talking about anxiety. It is a perennial topic. I didn't pick this one out because I thought you needed to hear it. We are simply reading through the Sermon on the Mount right now, and it happens to be that you always need to hear this one. Uh, you might say, gosh, everything's so crazy in the world right now. But if you think back, things are all, something is always on fire somewhere. You know? Something is always a little out of hand somewhere. And so this passage is important and perennial, and this is the word of Jesus for us today. Are you ready to hear what is called the cure for anxiety? Well, then let's pray and let's read God's Word. Father God, I thank you that you are so patient with us. And I thank you that you are so kind to us. I thank you that though we many times deserve judgment in our sin, you have withheld that to give us time and time again another opportunity to trust you. Father God, I pray That as we hear your word today, we would trust you. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, or about the body, or what you will wear. Isn't life more? than food, and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? And can any one of you add a moment to his lifespan by worrying? Why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor, they don't spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. And if that's how God clothed the grass of the field which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, O you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, oh, what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear? The Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Very simply for you today, don't worry. Don't have anxiety. But eh, surely it's important that we all know this doesn't mean don't care about things, right? This doesn't mean don't grieve over things that are worth grieving over or have sorrow over the sorts of things that are worth having sorrow over. What's the difference? What is the difference between what Jesus is talking about here, anxiety and worry, and just good, right, right? wise planning and thinking about your life? What's the difference between worry and anxiety and just sincere concern or sorrow over something? Where's this line? What is the difference between the two? After all, we Christians, we're grieved when we see injustice in the world. We're grieved when we see people hurting in the world. We're grieved over our own sins. We experience deep sorrow and we are to be wise in planning things. You're not to be foolish. You are to pay careful attention. Just because you woke up in the middle of the night because something was bothering you, that perhaps doesn't necessarily mean anxiety. It just means that that night you're going to spend some time praying in the middle of the night because this is what God has called to you. Grief, sorrow, wise planning, careful attention, these aren't the same as anxiety and worry, and here's, I think, the way to distinguish it. Here's the tool that you can put into your toolbox to decide if this is healthy, if this is just honest, good concern and care, or if this is some sort of anxiety, unrighteousness that Jesus is talking about here. here here's the question, the diagnostic question for you. Does this thing shake your faith? Or does this issue cause you to no longer want to obey Christ? There is where the challenge comes. That's what Jesus is speaking to. It's not a parent caring for their child or a person thinking about the future of an ailing spouse. It's not a person concerned or worried about something. It is somebody who allows an issue to, to suddenly shake their faith to the core, or who will decide to stop obeying Christ because they're worried about a certain issue. It is that, that it shakes your faith, or that it causes you to stop obeying Christ. There was, oh, before, let's say after the Civil War, the late, late 19th century, there was this movement of theology called positivism, right? There were a lot of books that came out at that time called things like The Power of a Positive Mind or things called The Power of Can. And there was this idea that, you know, just a positive attitude alone is good enough for everything. All of these books just like The Little Engine That Could that came out at that time period as well. I think I can. The Power of Positive thing. Everybody was so positive at that time. And then World War I happened. Suddenly, this optimism about people and what we could do was quashed a little bit. And then World War II happened, and suddenly everyone was a little bit less positive about what they could do. We, we Christians, we're not, we're not bleak, and we're not stoic. We are a hopeful people. We are people who have a great hope that Jesus Christ is going to return someday and set right every last thing that is wrong. We are a grieving people, but a grieving people with hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about this, and so I speak this passage at just about every funeral that I officiate. Paul writes to the Thessalonians and says to them, I know y'all have been concerned about those who are in your congregation who have passed away, and you're wondering what happens to a person when they pass away before Jesus returns. He says, I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to grieve like the rest who grieve without hope. Paul says to his church, you're going to grieve, but you are going to grieve with hope. We Christians can be the kind of people who are grieved, who are hurt, who experience deep sorrow, but we grieve with hope. We're not positivists who are just foolishly hopeful in ourselves. We're hopeful in Christ and what He will do. So, we Christians sing a song, It is well with my soul. And it's well with my soul is not like stoic dribble, you know, about how, oh, stuff's bad, but you know what, I can control myself, and I'm an island, and I can still myself from all these emotions. No, we are emotional because God himself gave us his image, and to be created in the image of God is to be created emotional. Have you not read the scriptures of Jesus grieving over Israel, grieving over Jerusalem, and calling them to him? Saying, Oh, Israel, Israel, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would gather you together, like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you would not listen, you would not come. God experiences these emotions, and so we experience them as well. Emotions aren't wrong. We are people who grieve, but we grieve with great hope, and so we are able to say, in the midst of sorrow, suffering, uncertainty, we are able to say, But I know Christ will make everything right, and so it is well with my soul in the midst of it." So don't worry. Dear Christians, don't have anxiety. Life is challenging and difficult for everyone, and so it will be challenging and difficult for us as well. Perhaps it will be challenging and difficult specifically for you because of the name of Jesus Christ. We we grieve. We have sorrow. We also have great rejoicing. Life is, while it has downs, it also has ups. God is good and to follow Christ is to experience the great joy of seeing all the good things that God does in this life. Let us not be a kind of people though that have our faith easily shaken by every last wind that comes through, by every last stumbling block. You might recall Jesus once was sitting in a boat with his disciples And Jesus goes to sleep. The disciples experience this storm. They're fishermen, but it's a storm, and they're terrified by it. And they go, and they wake up Jesus and say, Jesus, do something! And Jesus says, what what are we doing here? Why why are you guys all worked up? And Jesus walks over to the edge of the boat and goes, shh! (laughs) The storm is gone. How would we respond in these situations when storms and challenges come? I have a few applications for you here about worry. Number one, well, let me ask you a question first. What are the sorts of things that worry you in life? You know, what are the difficulties and challenges? It's not uniform, it's different for all of us. We all have different things that stress us out or that bother us or that might potentially shake us. What is it for you? By way of application, I should say, don't worry about politics. Don't worry about politics. Don't let this become the central issue in your life that shakes your faith. I mean, by all means, care about politics. By all means, vote. By all means, participate. But if your party doesn't win the election, does it suddenly shake your faith to the core? Well, if it does, then you need not have anxiety about these things. It is still in God's hands. You could grieve, surely, but let us not be so grieved as to or so worried about things that we lose our faith or that we stop obeying Christ. Uh, It is a pretty wild time out there politically. Everything is a little crazy. I surely agree with you, but don't let this shake your faith. Christ is still going to do everything that He said He was going to do, and He is right now doing all the things that He wants to, and His kingdom continues to advance. If you're worried about politics, perhaps observe our Christian brothers and sisters in even crazier political situations. What is it like to be a Christian in China right now? What is it like to be a Christian in jail in China right now? And yet, what is it like to be a Christian in jail in China and yet to have a faith that is unshaken and to have made a decision that, you know what, no matter what, I will obey Christ. One of the neat things about having Steve Marshall here this past week was getting to hear him talk about the work his churches have been doing in the Ukraine. So Steve is a a missionary in France, he's been there for 15 years, he spoke to us on Wednesday night, Uh, he's now back in Texas talking to a few more churches before he heads back to France. It was great to get to hear him talk about this network of churches that they're building up in France in a very lost area, and to get to work with him and talk with him about how he's trying to raise up young French pastors and get them their seminary training, and then get new churches started there. And then they had this other church that they knew were Christians. They knew it was a real church, not a weird kind of a thing. They knew it was a good, honest church, but they, they also knew they didn't speak the same language. And they had been meeting there in one of their French-speaking churches right outside of Lyon and only found out this past year that that was a group of Ukrainian Baptists who had already had to leave the Donbas region earlier because of what uh, they had been meeting there for a few years since the last time Russia invaded. And all the more now they get to get to know each other and work together because there are so many Christians in the Ukraine, so many Baptists like us. One of the neatest things that Steve showed us was a video that he received on Tuesday amidst all this Russian bombing of this church that was gathered together in a basement because there was bombing going on and just worshiping the Lord. Surely, a little worried for their lives, surely worried about what would happen to their houses but their faith unshaken, because God would still bring good to them. Why worry about these things? If God is going to provide, then don't let it shake your faith. Friends, don't, don't worry about politics in such a way that you let it shake your faith. What's another thing that a person could have anxiety over? Perhaps your health. It's common to all people to have health scares, Don't worry. Don't have anxiety over health issues. By all means, take care of yourself. By all means, go see a doctor. This isn't to say, well, you know, I got something going on over here, but, oh, well, it'll probably turn out all right. We don't need to check that one out. No, no, get it checked out. Take care of yourself. But we're not going to let medical issues or health concerns shake our faith and throw us into a tailspin where we say, is God even care about me anymore? We're simply gonna know that health scares are common to all people, and we'll have them as well, but blessed be the name of the Lord no matter what. You know, I was able to, I had a great example that I can share with you on this one. It's how do you, how do you get potentially alarming news as a Christian about your health, and not, not start flipping out or panicking about it? I, I got great illustrations from this. I, I personally had great help with this. A couple of years ago, my dad, you know, called and said, hey, hey, I just want to let you guys know, I'm getting some tests done on my heart. I've got an enlarged aorta. It happens to men of my age. Just know. I just want you to know about it and be praying about it, but, you know, it's all right. Or rather, my dad said, it'll be all right until it's not, but then it will immediately not be all right, and that's the end of it. (laughs) And he had this attitude of, you know what? He had this attitude of, listen, I've been in God's hands for decades, and I'm still in God's hands now. Forget about health scares. Don't you know that each and every one of us will have our day when we go to die as well? How could you be panicked about something that is coming at you certainly like this? Is it not better for you to say, Jesus, I was in your hands yesterday, I am in your hands today, and I will be in your hands for eternity. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Is it not better to say, God, I know I have this illness, and maybe this illness ends in healing, but maybe it ends in death, but even still, I believe that being a Christian, that that death of mine will end someday in life, and life eternally. That is our great hope. Even closer to home for you, I've gotten to have several conversations. I regularly talk with you, with members, in the middle of health scares, or in health situations where we know it will be the last health issue. And I ask you, I ask our friends all the time, how is this affecting your faith? How is this affecting your relationship with Christ? How can I encourage you to endure in trusting God to the very end? I've had this conversation several times in the last month with our friend Ron Albertelli. As he is in a health crisis that looks like it will be his his last health crisis sooner or later i sat down with ron even this past week as i had in the weeks past and said ron how is this affecting your faith how does this affect your relationship with christ and he said what do i have to lose god was with me yesterday and he'll be with me tomorrow let us pray for our brother both that jesus would yet heal him But let us pray for our brother that he would endure till the end with an unshaken faith. And let us pray for each other that we would trust Christ to our last breath. Don't worry about politics. Don't worry about health. What are some other things that you might worry about? Money? Yeah, the finances, the monies. Don't worry about these things. By all means, be wise with your money. You don't want to to be flippant about it. You'll be foolish like, ah, well, it comes, it goes. (laughs) Don't throw it around. Be wise. Be careful. Plan carefully. But do you start becoming so tight financially that you disobey God? Do you allow the financial struggles, maybe not doubt that God is real, But does the financial strain at some point in your life lead you to stop obeying God? To do something dishonest? To lie? To cheat? To steal? To start doing something illegal in order to take care of things financially? I mean, to be alive is to have some kind of financial strain at some point in your life, it's just being alive. We're all going to have times of less. God bless you if you have times of abundance. But we know what a financial strain is, and the question is, are you going to worry about money to the point where you decide, ah, I'm not going to follow God anymore. I'm just going to do whatever I need to in order to make it. Do you say, oh, this is okay because I've got a family to provide for, so it's all right if I do this, if I lie a little bit, if I fudge the numbers just a little bit, It's okay if I do something illegal just because, you know what, I've got to provide for some people. People are depending on me, so it it has to be okay. This was the attitude of King Saul. While King, he was bringing the Israelite army up against the enemy Philistine army, and he looked how big the Philistine army was and how small his own army was. And he was supposed to be waiting on Samuel the prophet to come and make some sacrifices to God, but he's waiting and he's waiting and he's watching his soldiers slowly walk away. And he's thinking, well, everything's dependent upon me. I'm the king. I better just go ahead and make these sacrifices myself. And he does. He doesn't wait on the Lord. He decides to take things into his own hands. As soon as he does, Samuel shows up immediately. God was always in control, and this was a test of his character. Samuel shows up immediately. He says, what's happening here? Wait, what's going on? What are you doing? He didn't trust God. But you and I don't have to let our concerns about money lead us to disobeying and not following God. Rather, friends, don't let this anxieties steer you to doing what is wrong. Rather, believe and trust God and continue to obey Him. Always. You know, at a moment where you're tempted to do something wrong financially, to lie, to cheat, to steal, to treat someone poorly in a deal, to do something illegal, you might simply ask, is this really worth my faith? You might simply find out for yourself and look into your own heart and say, how much, is, how much is it worth my trusting in God? Would I really trade it for this? Is this alone enough to cause me to stumble? We could go on and on. What are your other illustrations? What are the things that you worry about? Is it parenting? You do if you're parenting. <laughs> you worry about parenting. It's just the way of it. But it doesn't have to cause you to Doubt your trust in Christ or to do things that God doesn't want you to do. By way of a quick illustration on the parenting one, don't you remember, what was it last year or two years ago, this like Hollywood mom thing where they started cheating on behalf of their children to get their children into the right colleges? That's what it looks like to do the kind of worrying that God wants you to not do. This sort of, ah, we got to do whatever it takes to get our kids all right. What causes you distress? Is it parenting? Is it grandkids? Is it your career? Is it your marriage? Is it finding a spouse? To be sure, there have been plenty of people who have compromised what is right just because they wanted to not be alone anymore. Not us. Let us trust the Lord and let us be found enduring until the very end in trusting Him. We can go on and on about this. As I said, if it helps you prepare a little bit, just know that stress is common to life. Anxiety is common to life. Worry is common to our lives. But don't let these things cause you to doubt the goodness of God or the return of Christ. Because no matter what it is, Jesus is still going to return just like he said he would. And he is going to set right everything that is wrong. Perhaps this is where I lose you when I start talking about the resurrection of the dead. That my expectation is not just that life goes on and on and then one day you die and that's the end of it. My expectation is that life is going on and on, but Christ is the one waiting, not you. He is patiently waiting on us. Every day a testimony to how patient he is towards you, because he doesn't want you to pay for your own sins. He's already done it and He wants to be the one who pays for everything you've done wrong and so He patiently waits yet one more day on you. We're not, we're not waiting on Him. He's waiting on us. Such is the great grace, kindness, and patience of the Lord. But our expectation is that He won't wait forever. Christ will return at just the right time. On that day, The dead in Christ will rise. Death dies on that day, and it will be no more. Christ will set right everything that is wrong, including death. Don't you know that He rose again? That He is alive, and so our expectation is life as well. It happens in the book of Acts that as the Apostle Paul is going around court trial after court trial after court trial, everything is going okay in his trial until he brings up the resurrection from the dead, and that's the bridge too far where people say, what? Up until then, you were just stirring us in our passions, and we were thinking maybe we'll just start acting better, but what do you mean all this resurrection of the dead nonsense? But that's our faith. It's not a small thing. We're talking about real life, not imaginary life, not spiritual life. Our expectation is that At some point, all of us will die if Christ delays, but we who are in Christ Jesus, we will rise and live eternally with Him. We look forward to that day when Christ sets everything right, but it's also awfully kind of Him to have waited another day for you. Not forever, but at least one more. Let today be the day where you put your trust in Christ. Say, no longer, Will I live simply for myself? No longer will I live simply thinking, I just better do whatever I can right now before things get bad. Rather, let us live like people who are going to go on living forever before Him. Put your trust in Christ. That's how the passage ends here. What is the opposite of being anxious and worried and letting anxiety and worry control your life? The opposite of it is this seek His kingdom and His righteousness and he will take care of the things that need to be taken care of. To seek his kingdom means to seek him, and to seek his righteousness means to live a righteous life before him. Believe and obey. These things are not different. They're the same. If you believe, you will obey. So trust Christ and offer your life to him today. Live in his righteousness and before him. Don't These present difficulties, these present sufferings that are worth being concerned about and are worth grieving your hearts, they're not worth comparing to the grace that we have in Jesus Christ and to what he has coming. Don't worry about tomorrow, but simply offer up your prayers before the Lord and trust that he is as good as he says he is, and he will do everything that he says he will. We Christians, we are people who are often grieved over all that is wrong, but we are grieved with great hope. We are people who often have great sorrow over the difficulties of this life, but we have sorrow and joy at the same time because we know Christ has already conquered death. Don't let the worries of this life stir you to not trusting in Christ. Don't let the worries of this life cause you to stumble and not be disobedient to him. But dear friends, like the many Christians who have gone on before us, simply hold on and let us endure to the very end in our proclamation that Jesus Christ is Lord and I will obey him until my very last day. Father God, I thank you that you are so kind to us. I thank you that you are so patient with us. I pray, Jesus, that you would come soon and set right everything that is wrong. But I also thank, that, thank you that you are patient for me. And I pray that you would stir hearts today and call them towards you. Father God, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit and give us the strength to endure in trusting that you are good until the very end. This I pray in Jesus' name.